Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Start there, and then we'll be in Hebrews chapter 4. But praise the Lord, the story isn't over, right? Jesus was resurrected from the grave, so now what? Now what, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to um, uh, first start off with the title of our message, which is the rest of the story. Let me pray, and then we'll jump into John real quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather in this place today to celebrate Easter. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us, help us to understand what the rest of the story is for our lives personally. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so John chapter 20, and we're going to start off here because you know what? It is, um, you know, Easter Sunday, and we've kind of all have heard the Easter story one way or another, I would believe, but I just want to read kind of this, this, this portion of Scripture that talks about how Mary was standing outside of the tomb, and this is what it says in, in verse 11. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she uh, wept, she stood, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Verse 13, dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. Verse 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she did not recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers, the disciples, and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary uh, Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders at the time. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. He said, peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, think about that. Here they are, they're huddled in a room. They're fearful kind of because they were afraid of what the Jewish people would would do, the leaders would do to them. And Jesus shows up, right? He didn't knock on the door, right? They didn't leave the light on for him. Remember that, Motel 6, right? They didn't leave the light on for him, but he shows up in the room and he's very much alive. And he said, hey, this is what the plan is. This is what the the beginning of the next part of the story is going to be. 
I'm going to send you. I'm, I'm going to breathe on you, and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. At that moment, they became the very first born-again believers, and the rest of the story begins. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 tells us that the first created creation of man started with the breath of God being breathed into him, being breathed into Adam. If you go back there, we're not going to read the scripture, but Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. See, he made man, and then God breathed into him. And what happened? Life came to him. Life began to, to go. And then in John, we see that the new creation, right? A believer. Bible says that if we are a believer, then we are a new creation in Christ. But you know what happened? He breathed into us the moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, he doesn't come down and all of a sudden, you know, he, he has this breathing mechanism and all that, like a CPAP or whatever it is, I don't know. But he doesn't do that. But as soon as you confess, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Holy Spirit changes everything. He breathes into you, right? And you're like, whoa. So when we believe and we confess that Christ is the Lord and Savior of our life, immediately we receive the Holy Spirit, this new spirit, a new heart, a supernatural desire to serve God. See, when we are outside of that, we don't have a, a supernatural desire to serve God. We have a supernatural desire to serve us, to serve our wants, to serve the things that we want to do. But see, when we ask Jesus to come and be our Lord and Savior, which takes faith, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and now you have this supernatural desire to serve God, right? And, and the Bible tells us that our old sinful nature is now dead and gone. That is so amazing. Even though as, as believers, we still struggle sometimes with sin. We still struggle with sometimes with temptation. But the Bible says, you know what? That very nature, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, is working and, and causing you to overcome those areas of sin in your life. He, he's reminding you, hey, don't go down that road. Go, go down this road. The one that, that God is it, it's honoring to him. And so when we do this, when we give our life to the Lord then we are given the ability to experience the life of God in our lives. We are. See, the thing about it too is that we have to recognize God's not a distant God. He's not like way, way out there and we just think he's some kind of celestial being that, that some people, you know, kind of like give their life to and oh my gosh, that's crazy. But God is a God that is very present He's very much desiring a relationship with you. Not just with me, but with you. He's desiring it. And when we turn over our lives to him, man, that brings him to the very uh, presence or in, into, into your life. And he wants to be engaged in your life. He wants to be engaged in every single detail. Again, he's not distant. He's not out there. He's not some just kind of celestial being just roaming around and chooses who he wants to zap at any time, any given place or whatever. What he wants to do is he wants to be in partnership with you. He wants you to come and say, I'm in partnership with you, God. And so therefore, I get to experience all that you have for me. That's part of the rest of the story. 
Think about this for a minute. Jesus wasn't resurrected from the grave just so you and I can go to heaven when we die. Right? That's part of the story. Okay? He was resurrected so that you and I can experience new resurrection life while we live now. So yes, he died on the cross, he rose from the grave, and if we believe on him, we have eternal life, everlasting life. But at the, the same time, he did it also to, to where, you know what, we have resurrected life when we give our life to him. Because think about it. He had disciples, right? And his disciples followed him. His disciples were ones that were doing whatever and just kind of in fellowship with him and part of his ministry and doing all these things. If, if Jesus just died for, for them to go to heaven, then why, why didn't he just take them up at that moment? Why didn't he just, okay, guys, let's go. Here's your ticket, right? Get ready and kind of like Star Trek. You know, you remember Star Trek and that, that little, uh, what are those things, the, the beamer upper? You know, okay, beam us up, daddy, right? And all of a sudden they're all, and they disintegrate. Because that, that's what, you know, he could have easily done. But no, there was a purpose and a plan that he still had. There was a rest of the story in all of this with the, for the disciples and also for us. And so when we give our life to him and have this new resurrected life, then we have unlimited access to the benefits and blessings that he has for us now. It's not just when we get to heaven, but it's now. And so we want to we focus on one area today, and that is the rest that God makes available to everyone who follows Jesus. And really, if you think about it, all of us need to, to really practice or understand this rest that, that, that the Lord gives. Because you know what? For most people, man, we, we labor a lot, right? We labor in, in life. We labor in our work. We labor in our marriages. We la labor at, at parenting. We labor at our homes. We labor, you know, in schooling. I mean, everything these days just seem hard. Wouldn't you agree? It just seems hard. But see, Jesus came to give us rest. Get it? The rest of the story. He came to give us rest. I mean, even our relationship with him sometimes, we, we kind of labor in that because we don't take the time to do it. Or we don't take, you know, we, we kind of just, oh, man, I'm so busy. I got so many things going on. But see, that's not what, we, it was never meant to be that way. It was supposed to be Something that, you know what, we rest in, in our relationship with him. So let's look at a few verses from Hebrews chapter 4 that identify the rest of, of, of God. And then we're going to talk about how the rest is um, applicable for our lives today and, and how to experience it in, in new resurrection life. But Hebrews chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, um, we're going to kind of skip uh, verse 8. And then, uh, verse, uh, then we'll get into verse 9 through 11. But it says this. So God's rest is there for people to enter. 
But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Now, it's, it's referring to God's people, right, that were set free from Egypt. And they, they went their way into where the promised land was, or on their way to that. But because they didn't believe the promise of God and kept disobeying, they never entered into God's rest. It says in verse 7, So God set a, another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. Verse 9, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did, creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Okay, which leads us to our first point today. Rest in God is still available today. Resting in God is still available today. Now, this rest is not you being satisfied, right? with kind of using Jesus as the golden ticket to get to heaven. You remember Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? You're looking for the golden ticket. Hey, I got the golden ticket. I can go visit Willy Wonka. Okay? We can't use Jesus like that. I got the golden ticket, and that's it. But see, if we're living that way, then, man, we're actually missing out on all that God has for us. We're missing out on this actual rest that God has promised to us today. Because right now, we're living in a crazy day. We're living in an out-of-control world. We're living in a very uh, deficient, morally deficient world. And see, God says, you know what? Even in the chaos of that world that you are currently living in, whatever that looks like to you, he wants to give you rest in it to where it doesn't overcome your life. Does it doesn't drive you into the crazy cray, right? Or cray cray or whatever. It doesn't drive you there. He wants you to experience the fullness of this rest that you can have in Christ because of what Christ has done. And I, I'll just say, this rest is a very real thing. It is. But see, we have to, to allow him to be engaged with us in it. We've got to kind of choose to, to make that. I mean, over the course of, of the last couple years, with all of this COVID stuff and all the stuff that's gone on, and even, even right now in, in where our world is at right now, there is a rest that you can continue to walk in that allows you, even though all this stuff is going on, I'm at rest. I'm at peace. Because my eyes isn't fixed on what the world's doing. My eyes are fixed on what Jesus says. What Jesus is revealing to me, what he's showing to me. But see, that's, that's very real. It's possible. I mean, we probably encounter people that are stressed to the max and worried and concerned. And yes, there are certain areas of our life, you know, that we're trying to figure out, you know, maybe finances or, or whatever it is. Those things are all valid. But see, you can still walk in a rest knowing that God's going to take care of you. That God is still in control. That none of this that we've experienced over the last three years has, is, has caught God off guard. Where God thought, wow, what happened? I didn't know that was going to happen. Did you know that was going to happen, angels? No. He knew, right? But see, all during that time, he's taken care of his God, God's people. For those who have rested in him. 
It's such a key that we understand it. And this rest is so important that the author in Hebrews, right, he, he describes, he, he uses this word rest 14 times in one chapter, right? He, there was five, of, five times in, in the five, or six times in the five verses that we just read. So I think he's trying to get something across to us. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, when you hear something over and over and over again, that usually is some, means that something's trying to be to, told, told to you. So again, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it so, says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have, what? Rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Okay? So the word rest gives this kind of connotation, and, and it's, it, it's the Greek word, sabatomos, Kind of sound familiar, right? And it's used actually in the, the Greek uh, Septuagint of the Old Testament. But it's the, the word Sabbath day. It's the word Sabbath day. So you could translate this as, so there is a special Sabbath day rest to the people of God. So then what does this mean in this context? Well, in order to understand that, let's go back to Genesis Chapter number two. And we're going to look at, at, at this whole idea. And it says this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. And so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So here, here God is after the after. Those six days of creating and looking at everything he made, he decided, he looked, and everything was perfect. Everything was finished. It was flawless. It was complete. There was nothing else that he could add to it. And so he rested. So he, he looked at it and said, man, this masterpiece of creation, it is completely uh, uh, finished. And so since it is, nothing else is required. So now I'm going to rest from my labor and I am going to enjoy this creation on the seventh day. So on that day, did God create anything on the seventh day? No. He ceased from work, right? He, he, he no longer did anything. But see, that, and that was so important that God added it on to, and told Moses to tell the people, right, in the Ten Commandments. Pass this along, right? Keep the Sabbath day holy. He put that in the top three of the Ten Commandments. That means it's, it's, it's pretty important. But there's something about that rest that you and I can experience. And, and we know some Jewish people, Christian people, they, they, they honor God. Right? And they cease from their labor. They, they rest on the Sabbath day. Because why? God rested also. He wants us to walk and rest. So when we go back to Hebrews 4, it says there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Now the author of Hebrews is hiding, highlighting that, right? God in creation. But, but think about this. Jesus too finished his work. Jesus, too, finished his work. And now God offers us, you know, this upgrade from a once-a-week rest to an all-day, 
everyday invitation to people to rest in his salvation. To rest in what he has done for them. And it's not just on Sunday. It's all day, every day. He wants you to walk in that rest, that assurance. So in, in, in other words, Jesus' work on the cross was so complete and so perfect that there was nothing else he could do. Nothing else he could do to make it even better, right? That now we don't have to beg for him to show up. Now we don't have to bargain with him and try to get his help. Hey, God, can you help me? Please be, uh, you're so distant. I don't know if I can get a hold of you. No, 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 no. When, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, man, and you confess him as Lord and Savior, he is there. Now, doesn't mean he's always talking to you right away, right? Jesus died on Friday, Saturday. What happened Saturday? It was silent, wasn't it? But then Sunday came. And there are times... I'm just going to tell you as a believer that I'm trusting God and I'm asking God to come and intervene, and he's silent. But that doesn't mean he's not working. That doesn't mean that he's like, oh, I'm so distant, I'm so far away from you. No, he is still working, kind of like that song we were talking about, Waymaker, right? Even though that I don't see it, he's working. But what Jesus did was so complete that he, didn't need, he doesn't need to do anything else. And so then all, all we need to do then is to acknowledge who Jesus is and what he's done, right? And then surrender our life to him. Surrender it to him. Bring him all the weighty issues of, of let's say, your past, your present, your future, your good, the bad, the, the, the mediocre, maybe even the messy. Just bring it all to him. We bring it all to him, and then you know what we can do? We can exhale. And rest in the fact that this rest of the Easter story promises includes everything we need to experience the life that he has for us. Absolutely every single thing that he has for us here on this earth and in heaven. Because we can read about in heaven there is so much more we're going to experience. But he wants it to be experienced real time here on the earth. He wants to show up when you need him. He wants to be there in every single detail of your life. Which leads us to our second point. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says, but our high priest offered himself to God. Who's that high priest? Jesus says, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Not just sometimes, all time. And then it says, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, if you read your Old Testament, you know that God had priests who were representative of the people, right? And their whole job was to represent um, represent God and also represent the people, but they were constantly working and, and, and bringing blood sacrifices to God for the people's sins. 
And so what they would do is they would, they would take and they would offer the blood sacrifices and so that, you know, we could experience or they could experience forgiveness for another year. They could forgive, get, give, uh, get forgiveness and then experience God's blessing for a whole nother year. They would do that. That was their job. But Jesus came, praise Lord for that, and offered himself to be the final blood sacrifice. The final one. The once and for all sacrifice. And then, as we know, if you know the story, he says, it is finished. It is done. No more sacrifices need to be done because I have completely fulfilled that which God had demanded. And then it says, right, here he is. He's our high priest. Before I say the other thing, he's, he's our high priest. He's, he's our mediator. He's, he's a mediator and advocate for the people to God and to, to people for God. So let me put it this way. Think about it in, in a courtroom. There is a lawyer and a judge. The lawyer represents the defendant, Right? And he talks to the judge, goes to the go-between in between the judge. The judge talks to the lawyer and goes to the defendant. Jesus is that advocate. So he's going to the Father for you. And then he comes to us and he talks to us and he's a part of our lives. And then we're saying, okay, but Jesus, thank you. And then it's kind of going back and forth. He's this advocate for us. And it says, and all of that he did, he sat down, Right? It says, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's hand. He sat down and he rested. Same word, Sabbath rest. Like his father did in Genesis, after carrying out the ultimate sacrifice, he sat down and rested and ceased from his labor of living this sinless life. Right? He sat down and rested after, he, uh, after the lost position of man was recovered at the cross and at the grave. Can't forget the grave. He sat down because there was nothing more to be done. Which then ultimately provides you and I permanent rest. Permanent rest, a Sabbath rest for those who believe. Now we have to recognize Christ as our rest is first and foremost spiritual, okay? That means, you know what? You don't have to religiously work uh, to be right with God. Because some people will say, well, no, you gotta, you gotta, you know, work to have this righteousness that God wants you to have. No. What happened is, is, as soon as we give our life to Jesus, man, we are now resting in what he has done. We no longer have to work... And so what happens is spiritually that begins to change you. It begins to create in you that, that, that desire to please God like we talked about earlier. It creates in this desire to no longer live this sinful life but wanting to do what God wants you to do, to live for him. And, and, and I think what's really cool too is the fact that, you know what, it, it, it also impacts that, that outward of how you live. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, So then, since we have a great high priest, 
who's the high priest? Jesus. Who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of, our, of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So notice that Jesus, our high priest, understands our weaknesses. You don't hear that very often in churches. But Jesus understands your weaknesses. He understands what you're walking through and going through. You know, sometimes I, I read that portion of Scripture and I think, oh, yeah, but it says he understands my weakness because he faced the same testing. But he didn't, he didn't grow up in the year 2022. He didn't grow up in the year of 1984 when I was in high school. He didn't grow up when I was in... So how could he have faced some of the same things I did? Well, sin is sin. And so I'm sure that he experienced or had, an, an, had, had opportunities to, to view those who were sinning, those who had lives that weren't, but he chose not to engage because he was a sinful Savior. I mean, he was a sinless Savior, sorry. And so he knows how hard it is sometimes to overcome our weaknesses. But see, that's the great thing. He's a, he's a God of compassion. He's a God of mercy. He said, just, just come. I want to give you rest. Yeah, but I struggle so hard with this, and I can't. Yeah, just keep coming to me. Don't run from me. Don't be like Adam and Eve and run from me. But just keep coming to me so I can continue to work on you. Can I continue to help you overcome these issues in, in your life? But then it also says that we must hold firmly which in the Greek means to tighten your grip so that something doesn't slip out of your hands. Okay, so he's saying, you know what? You must hold firmly, not loosely. That's where a lot of people go wrong. We hold this relationship loosely with Jesus. We hold this relationship with God loosely. So we are supposed to hold it tightly, our belief that Jesus is who he said he is. And that I can every single day, despite all of the chaos and all of the things going on around me, I can walk in rest. I can do it. You can walk in rest, right? Jesus can be your rest in the weight of navigating your own life. How many know you got to navigate your life, right? But Jesus can be your rest in that weight. Jesus can be your rest in the stresses of life that we experience. Everyone got stresses? Oh, yeah. I got them. But see, Jesus can be our rest. Even in our bad habits and addictions that, that we've given ourselves to, Jesus can be your rest. Jesus can help you overcome. And even in the worry, the anxiety, the pressures, the pain, the scars that we walk with every single day, Jesus wants to be your rest. I mean, that would be something, wouldn't it? To where, man, all of those things no longer have an effect on you. That you're able to just look at it and go, yeah, it's there. I see it. But you know what? I've got so much rest so much peace.
because I'm believing in the one who loves me, the one who died for me, the one who rose from the grave for me. And, you know, and some people might think, well, man, that's a little far-fetched, you know. But it's true. It is so true and so real, just like you breathing right now. That's how real it is. That's how real it is. See, do you see the air you're breathing that you're sucking in and blowing out? You don't see it. But you believe in it. You desperately want it because if you don't have it, you won't die, right? But same principle, you can't see God, but he's there and he desperately wants a relationship with you. And just like you have faith that you're breathing in oxygen and breathing it back out, you got to have faith that God is alive, that God sent his son Jesus and that Jesus died and rose again. You can't see it. I can't. Hey, let me introduce you to Jesus. And he's physically here. But just as I'm breathing, I know that he is alive. That he is in love. Not only with me, he loves you. Right? I'm not perfect. I'm a mess sometimes. You can ask my wife. But you know what? God still loves me. That blows me away. So if God can love me, he can certainly love you. It's just something that we have to be able to grab a hold of and understand that that is it. But see, this rest brings us freedom. It brings us healing. It brings us victory. It brings us blessing. It brings us breakthrough. It brings us guidance and companionship. Because before... There was a transition in my life. I got saved early on. And then, you know, I just kind of like, yeah, you know, church is okay. I'll go to church and whatever and all that stuff. And then finally when I got serious, I'll tell you, it was a change for me in, in me having someone in my life. I, I can't explain it. But once God came into my life, I had companionship forever. And if sometimes you feel lonely, man, Jesus is a great companion. He really is. Which brings us to our last point. We must enter the rest. So it's up to us. We must enter the rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this to us. So let us come boldly. That's an invitation, right? That's saying, hey, this is your choice. No one's going to come and drag you by the hand and say, you know what, you better come. Let's go right now. But what it is is that, you know what, it's, it's one of those things where, you know what, you just need to choose to come. But it says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I feel like I need it every single day. Now, the word enter, I don't know if you really care about this, but this is a Greek compound word, meaning into and to go. So you put it together and it expresses the idea of a person who journeys to a location and enters a certain place. It's not that the individual comes near, but actually is intentionally walking into the building, right? Like you did today. 
You intentionally walked into the, you could have drove by, honked the horn, wait, hey, Pastor Scott, happy Easter, and kept on going, right? That would not have been entering. But when you got out of your car and you made the decision to come in, that means, you know what, you entered in. But again, it's a personal choice. You personally chose. Even if someone dragged you here today, you personally chose to come with that person. But it's a personal choice, one that, that, that God lovingly offers to every single person. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter what is going on in your life right now, God has extended this invitation to you to come, to come and find rest in him. Hebrews chapter four, verse six says, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But again, sadly, a lot of people don't make that choice. They refuse God's act of love towards them. Um, I mean, Hebrews chapter four, verse six says, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. They first heard it, right? They gotta hear it first. So when you hear about the good news, then, you get, then it's your choice. You either go with the good news and choose it, or you disobey. And because they disobeyed, they didn't enter into the rest. But again, it was their choice. Disobeying, right? Not placing your trust in God equals unbelief. Okay? And unbelief prohibits you from entering into the rest of the story. You as a believer, now I'm talking to you believers, right? You as a believer, if you walk in unbelief in any area of your life, then you know what? You're not going to totally enter into the rest that God has for you. Well, I'll give God trust here, but I won't trust God here. Well, then he's not going to give you rest, right? He's not. He's not. Because I can semi-do it, but then I'm still over here with all the stuff. And so we have to understand that, you know what, we, we can't operate in a, in a system of unbelief when it comes to God. Because God has a rest that is specifically designed for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has a different life. Right? We just, we do. You, you can't compare people. And you can't say, oh, well, this person's this, this person's that, this person's that, that person's this. No, you can't compare. But God has designed rest for your life in each and every one of your lives. So how do you disable this unbelief? By basically just believing that God's telling the truth in everything. By you coming to the point of saying, I believe God in everything. I believe this story, right? Because so often, we, we look at it and we think, well, yeah, okay, that part is true, but that part is not true of what God says. Yeah, Pastor Scott, I agree. Jesus died on the cross for me. Jesus rose again. I believe that. But when you start talking about all this other stuff, I don't think I really believe that. See, that, that's where we, we miss. We get it wrong. 
And that's where it kind of distorts some things for us. But see, when we begin to believe what God has said is true in every area, then that turns your faith on. Because that's what this, this journey is about. It's a journey of faith. It's coming to someone that you can't see and believing that they died on the cross for you because they love you. Hebrews chapter four, verse one says this, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. That fear is having a reverence for God. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as, as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them because it, uh, it did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, when you hear God's word, you got to mix your faith into it. You got to do whatever that takes to, to, to mix your faith to make it work. To believe everything in the book, to believe everything about God, everything about Jesus, everything about the resurrection, everything. Right? Even about this rest and how he wants us to walk in this assurance that he's with us every single day that you can walk in peace regarding no matter what the situation is. It all starts with faith. And faith is a choice you make to come to him. With everything. Jesus even confirms it. This is my last scripture. If any of the worship team want to come up. This is my, Jesus said this. He confirms this. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He said, then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And what did he say? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Doesn't say the government will give you rest. It doesn't say anything, any other person, your spouse. Doesn't say, you know what, your, your job. It doesn't say anything at all about that. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. I will give you everything you need. And yeah, is everything rainbows and lollipops? No. But I will give you rest. So that when you face circumstances in your life, you're looking at it and going, man, you know what? I'm just resting in the Lord. I'm just finding my peace in the Lord. I'm not allowing all of those things. Yeah, they're there. They're around me. I'm surrounded a little bit. It feels like a storm right now. I'm in the boat. But there's a rest that I can walk in because of what Jesus did. But the key is, he said, come to me. Come to me to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens I think that probably describes every single person on this earth me included and Jesus just quite simply says come if you got those man I'm willing to give you rest I'm willing to give you the rest of the story that you can walk in your story and your relationship with God you can walk in rest today So there's a Sabbath rest for us as his people because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because he rose from the grave. And it simply belongs to every single one of us 
that has come to Christ in faith. So if you're a believer, then you know what? Start resting in what Jesus has done for you because it was a complete and total work. You don't have to do anything else. Because, you know, as the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, remember that breath that we talked about? So the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He will give you the desires to walk in purity. And then you just choose to do it. He'll give you the desires to follow God. He'll just, just choose to do it. But we have to rest in the fact that Jesus saved us. And that redemption is totally complete. And I would just say for those of you too that today, and today, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then we want to give you the opportunity to have one with him. Because he truly does love you. And he truly doesn't want you to just be floundering and, and trying to figure it out on and own. He wants to come aside you, be a companion to you, and help navigate this life with you so that, you know what, you, you can walk in this rest of knowing, you know what, yeah, all this chaos is going on around me, but you know what, I am so rested because I have this relationship with Jesus. And, and, I, and I, I want to give you that opportunity today. Because I really do want you to, to enjoy the benefits of that. And so what I would like to do is I'm going to close up right now. And it, with every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is the day that I would love to give you that opportunity. Again, he loves you with an unfailing love but he's also just. He's also a just God. And, and if, if one doesn't surrender to him, then there's circumstances to that. But he loves, loves everybody. And so this morning, I, if, if you are here and you would say, Pastor Scott, I have never given my life to Jesus. I want to start today. Then what I want you to do is just slip up your hand and then you can put it back down. And if, if there is a hand that's raised, then we will pray to all the prayer together. But if there's nobody, then that's okay too. No pressure. But the opportunity is available to you. So I'm going to give you just a quick moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the opportunity to gather in this house today and to celebrate your death and your resurrection. Because if you didn't rise, then Lord, this whole thing would be a hoax. But we know that you rose. We know in scripture there are reports of, of sightings of Jesus. And they're, and they're actually facts. And so we thank you today for what you're doing inside of us. I pray, Lord, for each one of us, wherever our relationship is with God, wherever that is, whether it's there or not, whatever. But I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would continue to help us be, be drawn to Jesus at a greater level, whether that's the very start or a more mature, advanced level. Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to draw us closer to, to the Lord draw us closer to this relationship 
so that as we grow, that, Lord, we are walking in this rest that is a part of the rest of the story for those who believe. Thank you for the, the, the resurrection life that you've given to us. And I thank you, Lord, as we celebrate Easter, that you would be in the midst of every conversation as we are with family or whatever it is that we do, but that your presence would be there. We honor you today, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Father. We honor you, Holy Spirit, for working in our lives. And we thank you for being uh, the complete, the complete package, the complete uh, work that you have did for us. We honor that today. And we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you guys were here today. Uh, thank you for coming out on Easter. Thanks for not doing the drive-by and saying, hey, best guy, be Easter, and keep on going, right? But thank you for entering. Thank you for being that. Uh, we have some people here that would love to pray with you if you have any prayer requests whatsoever. Um, God's a God who, who loves when we come and pray. And so if you have a prayer request, please come up and get prayed for. I mean, it's a great day to be prayed for, okay? And then, um, yeah, then you have your Easter celebrations, all right? So, uh, man, have fun in that. Have a great time. I, I just pray blessings over you. I hope you have a great week. And we invite you back next week to be a part of our service, all right? God bless you. You are free to go. Happy Easter. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.